The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love that lasts. Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album Order of Service. By way of introduction, Pastor is an acrostic which stands for Preaching All Salvation Through One Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English spelling for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome back to Pastor Yeshua. In this, the second episode, we continue our study of types and shadows with the story of Abraham and Isaac. Revelation chapter 13 verse 8 explains, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. From this verse and others, we learn that God the Father and God the Son had planned for Jesus' propitiatory sacrifice from the beginning of time as a contingency necessary to demonstrate the initial free will, obedience, faith, and trust of God's creation, man towards God. Clearly, if the Lamb, i.e. Jesus, was slain in the mind of God from the foundation of the world, God knew the day and the time this would happen. Because God lives in eternity, he had also seen this event in its past tense. For these same reasons, God knew precisely what Abraham and Isaac would both ultimately do. God knew without doubt what would in fact happen and was going to prevent any harm to Isaac by substituting his son 
Jesus in the fullness of time. For this reason, God was able to safely ask Abraham to sacrifice Isaac because within the type, there was never any intent in the mind of God that Abraham fulfill the command. Now, if God never intended Isaac to be harmed, what was the point of this story? Why would God instigate a story with a request which causes such repugnance at first glance? Take all of the negative reactions and feelings which we may encounter when reading this incident. As you ponder and consider the various emotions, consider also how Abraham might have felt at the prospect of contemplating his personal involvement in the death of his son. Realize that few, if any of us, come close to really knowing how Abraham must have felt. Another of the central components to this story being so terrible to the modern reader is the typical Sunday school representations of Isaac being portrayed as a child. This inaccurate representation is usually brought about by the use of the English word lad in this case. Critics and the natural mind conjure caricature representations of Abraham in the role of an earthly version of an evil terminator played by Arnold Schwarzenegger with well-oiled and flexing muscles pushing Isaac as a two-year-old cooing baby in a stroller towards the sacrificial altar to his death while laughing about it. Inevitably, the critics latch onto this idea and raise the banner of child abuse against Abraham, asking or insinuating that Abraham cannot possibly be good or a godly man because neither good nor godly men abuse children. We are then encouraged to disavow belief in God or the Bible based upon this self-created straw man argument. However, in reality, the available historical chronologies place the age of Isaac somewhere between 20 and 35 years of age during this incident. All things being relative then, Abraham would be around 120 years old, and Isaac would be a strong adult in his prime. Given the respective ages of Abraham and Isaac, it is clear Isaac could have easily protested and prevailed over his father if he so desired. At this point, the hardcore atheist and Bible skeptic give out a gleeful, Aha! I've got you now. If there was a God, he blew it big time with this one. The guys who wrote the Bible pinned themselves into an inescapable box, and there's no way out. Atheists go on to protest and lay the charge that it doesn't matter what the ages were. If God had half the sensibilities and compassion of us skeptics, he would never suggest or allow anyone to hurt or kill another person, particularly one's own son, that just isn't loving. I don't want, I will not allow, or believe in a God who is not loving like me. However, while man imagines himself to be wiser, more compassionate, more loving, more understanding, more gracious than God, thankfully, God always does everything perfectly, which man can only imagine doing, but never does. God's ways are not man's ways. While man may not understand or agree, that does not negate the reality that God is sovereign, perfect, righteous, and loving. So, how do we explain this issue? 
if, for example, we remember that Abraham is playing the lesser part of God the Father, then we might understand that because God is omniscient, God knows that his son has the power over life and death and that his son Jesus will rise again. God knows ahead of time, as only he can, what level of sacrifice, suffering, anguish, and love will be as is required on his part. He knows firsthand to what degree it is necessary due to the separation, sin, rebellion, and disbelief which are part of our chosen nature. The question is, how does one articulate and demonstrate those aspects of eternity, of the infinite, and of reality which transcend and defy those aspects of the finite human mind? Given the limitations of our comparison in question, it becomes quickly obvious that the constraints of human language and imagination are wholly inadequate to convey the message intended by God. With this thought, enter the drama episode of Abraham and Isaac. We start reading the script of events and begin cringing at the prospect of Abraham sacrificing his son. Our natural minds begin questioning God along with the atheists, asking, why would God ask Abraham to do such an awful thing? Then, just as the natural mind gives up, by grace, God gives spiritual understanding to replace what the natural mind is unable to receive. We realize that the entire reason for this story is that we each might better understand what the natural mind misses due to lack of discernment. What we learn by God's grace is that Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael, and Eliezer were part of a story, a play, if you will, both as witnesses and as types, which were and are mere shadows of a much greater substance. All of the types here portrayed help us as finite humans to participate in the spiritual understanding regarding the infinite and eternal exchange which took place within the economy of the Godhead to achieve our salvation. As we reach the zenith of our emotional distaste and objection to the story, stop and realize that this all pales in comparison to the love which motivates God the Father to sacrifice His only Son, Jesus the Christ, on our behalf. I believe, in part, the reason for this story is God's desire for all who read and hear to share His heart, so we might too better understand the depth of His love and His sacrifice for each of us. For some reason, whether because of Abraham's faith, God's grace, or both, Abraham at some level understood that it was necessary to participate in this drama for God and for that benefit which God had in mind. Abraham knew that although God was asking, God would not ultimately take Isaac from him. There is no room for doubt since Abraham clearly and confidently stated that he and the lad Isaac would return after completing what God had asked. As we continue with the narrative, we see both Ishmael and Eliezer were instructed to remain where they were along with the donkey. This points out that neither Ishmael nor Eliezer were participants of the actual sacrificial process. 
What God is showing is that all men like Ishmael and Eliezer are unable to approach or participate in the process of salvation. All men must and will stop leaving all efforts at the foot of Calvary where the altar of the cross stands. Insofar as the sacrifice goes, only Abraham, who is the type of God the Father, and Isaac, who is the type of Jesus the Son, have the sufficient righteousness to proceed beyond this point. Abraham's frame of mind was perfect. His intention and understanding was nothing less than to obey without question God's command to sacrifice Isaac. Paradoxically, Abraham boldly makes the statement to Ishmael and Eliezer that both he and Isaac would return to them after worshiping. Either Abraham knew or believed God would not really allow him to sacrifice Isaac, which would require no faith at all, or Abraham believed God would resurrect Isaac from the dead once the sacrifice was complete. Verse 6 says, quote, And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went, both of them, together, unquote. At this stage, Isaac willingly accepts and carries the wood intended for the sacrifice. This is notable in two ways. One, the amount of wood needed for the sacrifice of Isaac would have been large indeed. This being the case, it is obvious that Isaac would have to be a mature adult and not a small child carrying wood up a mountain. Second, this entry clearly shows the substance of Jesus who would carry his cross, also made of wood, which was the means of his death, up the same hill. The very terminology, quote, laid it upon Isaac, unquote, mirrors the theology behind Jesus' atonement found in many instances, including Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 5, which says, quote, But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Unquote. First Peter chapter two verse twenty four also says, quote, "Who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed." Unquote. The reference of fire is normally the type of God's consuming judgment. Here, Abraham, who is the type of God, is seen holding fire, i.e. judgment, in his hand, which will eventually be used to burn the wood used to sacrifice Isaac, the type of Jesus. This fire will completely consume the wood, which is the type of sin, as Isaac, who typifies Jesus' sacrifice of himself as a payment to cover our sin. Verse 7 says, quote, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and said, My father? And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Unquote. In the above verse, we have the most obvious example of the substance of the type held between God the Father and his son, Jesus. The immediate supposition is that Isaac is making a purely fleshly and obvious inquiry of Abraham. While this may be true, 
I believe the question was ultimately inspired by God's Spirit to set the stage for the answer in the next verse, which clearly goes far beyond the moment, straight to another moment, yet future. Verse 8 says, quote, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, unquote. As I see it, there are three ways of reading this verse. First, there is the carnal version. In this context, Abraham is simply answering the question by Isaac based upon the obvious observation that at this point, they had everything they needed for the sacrifice except the lamb. In this case, Abraham is merely saying that he hopes or believes somehow God will help him find a suitable lamb since they were careless enough to forget it. Second, There is the possibility that the first view is correct and that later Christian influences read the messianic theologies into the text that now captivate it. Lastly, we have an incident and a verse inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us insight into God's plan of redemption for mankind. Ultimately, the correct answer is this. If we paraphrase this verse based upon the type and substance, we see the following exchange. Abraham, the type of God the Father, is speaking, saying, My son, God the Father, will provide himself, i.e. the Son, as a lamb for a burnt offering. So they, God the Father and God the Son, went both of them together. Consequently, this verse is not only prophetic as a type, but is highly theological in showing the dynamic roles between God the Father and God the Son as it applies to salvation. Verses 9 through 12. In these verses, Abraham and Isaac come to the place of the altar where Abraham binds Isaac and places him on the altar along with the wood. Abraham is about to slay Isaac using the knife when the angel of the Lord stops him. God is satisfied and pleased, seeing Abraham was willing and obedient to do God's will. Verse 13 says, quote, And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. In prophetic fulfillment, Abraham is said to, quote, look up and behold, unquote. Again, similar to verse 4, quote, looking up, unquote, is just another way of saying, looking forward, or looking into the future, to some point or event. Yet, in this case, although Abraham is lifting his eyes and looking, when at last he sees something, he is said to see the object in question, quote-unquote, behind him. In order to reconcile the divergent use of the type metaphors, we again look to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, which says, quote, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Unquote. So in this verse, Abraham's statement by type tells us that while Abraham could be said to be lifting up his eyes and looking into the future to the culmination and substance of Jesus' sacrifice at Calvary, God, who is typified by Abraham, could simultaneously said to be in eternity, seeing the ram, who is the type of Christ, behind him, 
even at the foundation of the world. As far as the ram is concerned, the ram is more specifically an adult male sheep. In this case, the ram is caught by its horns in a thicket. Animals' horns are almost always used as indicating power, in this sense of authority. So in this case, the ram, who is the type of Jesus, is caught by virtue and consequence by none other than his own power and authority, i.e. its horns. In this incident, we see Isaac, who is the type of Jesus, being bound by the hand of God, i.e. Abraham, and placed on the altar, i.e. the cross made of wood. The type is deficient in that Abraham and Isaac were historically two physical human persons, while we have God the Father, God the Son, i.e. Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, all with distinct functions and attributes, yet one in nature and purpose. Jesus, i.e. Isaac, lays down his own life by his own power and accord without struggle. It is by this same power and authority that Jesus, i.e. Isaac, rises from the altar, i.e. the grave, and takes up his own life again, whereupon he is reunited with Abraham, i.e. God the Father. Looking back at this episode, placing all the pieces of the puzzle types into place, we see that this incident is a prequel to the substance which was Jesus and his sacrifice upon the cross. During this play, God raised the curtain to allow us to glimpse into the theater of eternity. As we are introduced to the players on stage, we meet Abraham as God the Father, who forms the plan and willingness to sacrifice his own son as a propitiation for the sin of man. Simultaneously, God knows that death has no power over his son and that his son will conquer death and rise again. We meet Isaac, in the role of Jesus, the only promised Son of God. We see Jesus is fully God and fully man, and as such is the perfect mediator between God and man. We know, according to Scripture, that Jesus had the power to refuse to be sacrificed. Yet, Jesus willingly came to tabernacle in the flesh, and humbly took upon himself the form of a servant, obedient unto death, on our part. Finally, we see the ram who is also a type of Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, who was present at the altar from the beginning of time and only succumbs by his own power for one purpose. Ultimately, this plan, this purpose, this episode, both the types and the substance with their outcomes, are a story to tangibly show the dimension, breadth, and depth of God's love for his people. Father, I pray that as the curtain of this play closes, we might remember that it was Jesus' sacrifice upon the cross which made it possible to rend the veil of separation between a holy and righteous God and unrighteous man. We give all praise and thanks that by your grace, through faith in Jesus, that we are able to enter into your presence and find peace, acceptance, Enjoy forevermore according to his imputed righteousness. I pray that your spirit would empower us as believers to be conformed into the fullness and likeness of your Son. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Trust in